So I owe the patrons a bonus ramble, and I also promised to do a public ramble this week. Um, so I want to kill two birds with one stone here. Um, but first, I wanted to speak to everybody. So this past week has been insane. And I've been alive for 36 years and never in my life have I experienced as much hysteria in a short span of time as I have in the past seven days. Um, on Monday, March 9th, I went to the store because we were out of a few things. And one of them, of course, was toilet paper. Dear Lord in heaven. <laughs> um, and I've been following the news, but minimally because I have one daughter who has a lot of anxiety surrounding um, most things like fires. We can't have fires in the fireplace in our house most of the time um, because she just can't handle it. Um, the house could burn down. If I leave the water running while I'm brushing my teeth, she will run in from a different room at the other end of the house to turn it off for me until it's time to spit and rinse because we could flood the entire house. Um, this kid is amazing. She's super sensitive. Um, but she's also just really, really anxious. So a lot of what I've had to do in my parenting journey has been to figure out how to mitigate that anxiety and how to teach her the difference between rational and irrational fears, which is something I thought I had a pretty good handle on. Um, so I have been following the news, but it's been at a distance from her just because I don't want to exacerbate any um, concerns that she is already dealing with. And for the most part, I, I found it um, mostly not too concerning. Obviously, there's always a concern when something like a pandemic is going on. And I, I don't mean to diminish it or suggest that I didn't see any seriousness in it. But, you know, when you walk into the grocery store and there's a virus that causes respiratory illness and you cannot buy a pack of toilet paper, I, I tended to think that we uh, were reacting a bit hysterically. And um, just because of her anxiety, I have to keep my own anxiety regarding um, disasters and pandemics and politics to a minimum because the last thing that I want to do is get her started on any of that. She's seven years old and she's already too worried about too many things. Um, and you know, I remember being a seven year old kid and having a lot of anxiety. And at that time, you know, in the eighties and nineties, um, my parents didn't really know a lot about mental health. So I didn't have anyone to teach me how to work through irrational fears. Um, most of my fears are social um, my, my biggest fear is negative feedback and I will talk about confronting that fear here in a minute, but, um, you know, I try to, I try to keep her exposure to that kind of thing to a minimum. And also, you know, I've been doing a lot of damage control. We live in the middle of nowhere. We live in the middle of a national forest and, um, we have a lot of beauty. We have a lot of serenity here. But we pay for that in a, and I've said this before in different episodes, um, we pay for that in that socially we live in an area that is very, air quotes, traditional. Um, so they often come home from school. My daughter's um, repeating things that they've heard from people that are kind of xenophobic. Um, they come home saying things that are 
inappropriate that they don't realize that are inappropriate because their friends' parents haven't told them that it's inappropriate because to them it's not. Um, and one of the things that they came home, actually, I think it was on Wednesday that they said this, um, we had decided we were going to order out for dinner that night. And, um, I suggested that we order Chinese cause we hadn't had it in a long time. My one daughter loves shrimp. Um, so I figured, well, let's get Chinese. Um, and they responded by saying, we can't order Chinese. It has the virus. And I was not down for that statement coming out my kid's mouth. Let me tell you. Um, so even surrounding this whole coronavirus thing, I, I understood that it was serious. I do understand that it is serious. Um, but given the directives that we've been given from local government, um, from, you know, even the state, you know, the governor, um, the recommendation up until yesterday has been to limit interactions to crowds of 250 or less to avoid unnecessary social interactions. Um, but the message has been consistently to live your life as normally as possible and maintain as much normalcy as possible while using extra caution surrounding hand washing and face touching, which we've been doing. Um, but in any case, I manage a lot of anxiety between her and myself. I have a lot of anxiety over my parenting and I'm constantly analyzing my own parenting and, and the decisions that I'm making, taking into her account, her issues. Um, and so we had been planning this trip to visit a friend for her son's birthday. And part of what their family does every year for his birthday is to go to a hibachi restaurant where they live. Um, my kids have never had hibachi, um, partly because my daughter can't tolerate an open flame and that's kind of, you know, not going to work out with hibachi. Um, but also because there's none near us. So, I brought up the idea of hibachi to them. I described what it was and they were interested in it. She asked me a lot of questions, but she wanted to try it. And it actually, um, so it's been about six weeks that we were talking about this. Um, and it has become this trip to hibachi, to the hibachi restaurant, um, has been a major motivator for her, um, behaviorally at school. Her anxiety causes her to, avoid certain things that she really needs to lean into. Um, and as a parent, my job is to help her be successful at doing that. So I kind of use the whole hibachi thing as a motivator. And to my surprise, it was super motivating. Um, she managed to make some gains at school this past week that really impressed me. And I mean, proud can't even begin to do it justice. I was so just impressed with her willingness to lean into something that makes her really uncomfortable, um, drawing attention to herself in order to take care of her own needs or advocate for herself is not something that she is strong in, but she made hella gains this past week. And it was all because of this hibachi thing. So, um, when the news started coming Friday, they closed schools here up until that point, we were still going to public school. Um, and yes, we were aware that the whole coronavirus thing was an issue, but at that point there were no social restrictions other than increased, um, caution surrounding hand-washing, face touching, um, and unnecessary physical contact. Um, so we, I called my friend, actually we were testing, texting back and forth, um, Friday afternoon, 
Um, I asked her what was going on up there, and she said there were no confirmed cases or no known cases. So I continued what I had been doing all week, which has been like this risk-benefit analysis to the idea of going and um, taking everything into account. I decided we were going to go still. We don't have anyone in our circle who is at increased risk. We are practicing caution surrounding hygiene, um, physical contact, um, limiting, you know, any kind of physical contact that's unnecessary. And I just felt like she had made such gains and the hibachi thing had been such a motivator that it was worth still going and just using even more caution as we took this, you know, weekend trip. Um, so we went, um, we did go to the restaurant. We, the initial, um, grill fire was, um, concerning to her. We did a lap around the restaurant. It was there were actually a lot of people there um, because, like I said, the, the restrictions at that point were still um, crowds of 250 or more um, and, and mainly just exercising extreme caution. Um, and I get that the, the social distancing thing, I understand the concept of flattening the curve. I understand why it's important. But again, um, we had been told, live your life as normally as possible just use extreme caution and considering the fact that she had made such huge gains, um, at school due to the motivation of the Sabachi thing, we decided to continue with our plans. Um, I'm not sorry that we did. Um, I still think that we did the right thing. However, um, and I know that the title of this podcast is two moms day drinking, but the actual truth is that very few of the people who come here actually wind up drinking with me. And the ones who do, um, usually bring their own because I generally don't have much of anything in the house. I think I have a bottle of coconut rum downstairs. Um, and I've had that since my parents went on a cruise last year and they brought it back for me. Um, I think there may be two to three shots out of it. Um, and I think I used those with Faye Smith in episode seven. Um, but for the most part, people will bring a can of beer. Um, Cody Elms brought a bottle of makers, um, which he left here. And I wound up giving the last, you know, shots out of that, um, to Frank, um, another episode, I think it was episode 11, but in any case, it's, it's two moms day drinking and that's kind of the premise, but for the most part, I'm not going to tell somebody you can't be on my show if you don't drink, obviously. Um, and I, we don't do a lot of drinking. I don't do a lot of drinking. I don't go out. I am not a mom who is out, um, on the weekends. I come home. I do this podcast. Um, this podcast takes about 40 hours a week on top of the work that I do. Um, I'm trying to write a grant to start a program here locally. I'm trying to generate interest in social things, locally. I, I just don't do a lot of drinking, but we were going to the Sabachi restaurant. I wasn't driving and I decided to get some sake, which, um, was great. Um, but I posted about the sake probably too much, um, considering what else was going on. And that's kind of, um, where the contrition needs to come in, I guess. We were at Hibachi. We were having fun. The girls are really enjoying it. The, my daughter who has anxiety after that first girl fire, she really got into it and she was having a lot of fun. And it's not often that I see her relaxed and having fun. Um, so everyone was taking pictures. Everyone who was around our table was from the same family. Um, we weren't sitting with strangers. We weren't, you know, um, 
coughing on each other. We were having a meal and then going back home. Um, and that was the only time that we ever left during this weekend, um, was to go to this planned event. Um, I'm also not the type of person to engage in, um, a lot of social displays of playfulness. Um, I tend to play it pretty cool. I tend to try to keep, um, I mean, I'm goofy and funny and always cracking a joke, but I'm not like dancing and being foolish and being outlandish. Um, but someone had taken a picture of me when they were shooting the sake from the grill to people. Um, someone had taken a picture of me. I thought it was a funny picture and I posted it on Twitter. Um, and this morning I woke up to a comment from a woman who is from Italy who was basically calling me out for not taking this whole thing as seriously as I should be, um, for being out at a restaurant, for engaging in that behavior. Um, and I totally get it. And she is absolutely, absolutely right. Um, like I said, I don't think that we made the wrong decision to go. I think that we used enough caution. Um, I understand that the, um, suggestions or the directives from government are changing now. Um, they are restricting it a little bit more and obviously we are going to follow those directives. We don't have any more, you know, events coming up. If we did, we would more than likely be canceling them unless it was a very compelling reason. Um, but this woman called me out and she had every reason to do so. I completely get why. And she's absolutely right. And, um, the fact of the matter is that whether or not we decided to go to Hibachi, um, for someone from Italy right now to see a picture of someone from America, um, apparently without any context and, you know, with the content of my post, I was making light of our event of our situation. I was joking. I tend to use gallows humor and dark humor. That is how I deal with things. It's always been how I deal with these sorts of things. And often I miss the mark. Often I say things in bad taste and I, um, have never hesitated to acknowledge that fact in the past. And I have no intention of not acknowledging it now. Um, I am really grateful that she commented what she did. I did take that post down because she was, she was right. Um, it was in bad taste. There was no need for it. Um, and I'm not one to hide behind deleted posts or, um, like comment restrictions and that type of thing, but she was right. It was in bad taste. And I did take that post down. I did not take the others down, um, for the simple fact that I have no interest in, um, someone saying, Oh, she took everything down because she's, you know, a big pussy or whatever. Um, she did something wrong and she doesn't want anyone to know. Um, I want people to know. Um, I don't necessarily think that we were wrong to go again. Um, but the posts were in bad taste and I'm leaving the rest of them up. Um, because I feel like it's a moment that could be teachable. Thanks to my own social anxieties and my, um, discomfort with negative feedback. I wanted to really intentionally take a moment out and say, it would have been really easy to just delete everything and pretend that it never happened and deal with any negative comments that came up because of it going forward in a deflective way. I didn't want to do that because like I said, every single moment of every day for me revolves around what am I teaching my kids? 
Um, and uh, you know, parenting for every parent is different. There are different standards and different levels for every parent, what they want to teach their kids, what's acceptable. I tend to be a lot like, um, Pamela Adlon in better things. Um, a lot more hands off than a lot of parents when it comes to things like language, when it comes to things like disrespect, um, I tend to be pretty democratic with them, a lot more democratic than a lot of my friends are. Um, and I will have to reap the benefits slash rewards of that, um, in the future. Um, but everything that I do for me is a teachable moment. Um, and everything that happens is a teachable moment. So I had decided to go through with this birthday thing, this friend's son's birthday, this trip over the course of the weekend, um, taking into account the restrictions and the guidelines, um, but also trying to show my daughter that yes, there are scary things, but we can assess the risk and we can make decisions based on not emotion. Um, and we cannot panic and we can live our lives with increased caution and be cautious, but still love our lives. And that was what I wanted to teach her by going, um, but by posting those pictures and by being a little bit, um, thoughtless this weekend, and then to be confronted with that comment, I am also being given an opportunity to teach her something I think even more important. And that is how a good person handles being confronted with their own questionable behavior. And I thought a lot, um, this afternoon as we were coming home about what lesson I would want to teach her and what I would want to see her do in that situation. And so what I would want to see her do is what I need to do. And so what I am doing with my public ramble this week is, um, showing her how a good person can be willing to admit when they've done something legitimately questionable. Um, posting those pictures was legitimately thoughtless and questionable. Um, I should have thought a lot more about it and I didn't, um, I would want her to analyze her own behavior through the viewpoint of someone else. So I took an opportunity. I took the drive home. I took that opportunity to do exactly that. Um, I thought through it without emotion. I thought through it from another person's point of view, not from my own. Um, obviously I think human instinct is usually to get defensive and be like, well, we were told, blah, blah, blah. And that's always the wrong answer. Um, I wanted to model for her how to humble yourself by saying out loud in public um, that I missed the mark with those posts and I could have done way, way better. Um, so that's all I really wanted to say in my public portion of my ramble, except to answer a few questions and comments that I got when I had mentioned that I was doing a public ramble. I just got a couple of little... Um, questions and comments that people had and wanted me to shout out or, um, address. So for Cody Elms as to why my episode, episode nine with Cody Elms is so damn delightful to listen to, um, Cody, that, uh, is a simple answer. And it's because Cody Elms is such a goddamn delight in general. Um, so Cody actually wrote a blog post about the, um, social distancing and about the, this the whole social response to the coronavirus thing. And it's really been within the past week that it's really been, um, sort of an acute, abrupt, um, holy shit, there's an issue here type of situation. Everybody should read that post. So I will post a link to it in 
the episode notes for this ramble. You should be able to follow them. But basically, if you go to myelmtree.com, it'll be the very first thing that you find um, in his recent entries. Um, so check that out. For Nyx, who follows me on Twitter and is also a patron, um, she asked if I would give an early shout out to moms and listeners in the UK whose Mother's Day is March 22nd. Um, let me say resoundingly that I absolutely will do that right now. Um, UK listeners and mothers, you kick so much ass. I can't even stand it, especially you, Nix. Um, Nix also asked if I could do a little bit of investigating and find out, um, what lipstick Meryl Streep is wearing in, uh, the Devil Wears Prada, um, in this one scene, I think it's where she's initially critiquing Anne Hathaway's look. She has this um, vibrant red lipstick on uh, and she wipes her lip very hard and it doesn't come off. And Nix wanted me to see if I could use my powers of investigation to discover what that lipstick is because she needs it in her life. Nix, I'm so sorry. Um, I suck. I couldn't find out. And I looked through a lot of beauty editorials trying to find out and I failed. Um all of us with that, uh, little endeavor. Um, Gigi also a follower on Twitter asked, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Um, she did not distinguish between a European and an African swallow. Um, but in any case, uh, a man named Jonathan Corum on November 13th of 2003 attempted to answer this question, um, pretty impressively. His answer can be found at style.org slash unladen swallow. Um, Gigi, I'm sure you are already aware of this because you are funny and smart and into nerdy things like me. And this was uh, a reference that I have gone to time and again, whenever someone tries to trip me up with this question. Um, according to Corum, quote, the, the average cruising airspeed velocity of an unladen European swallow is roughly 11 meters per second or 24 miles per hour. Um, you can check out his answer. I will post a link in the episode notes. It is not a super, um, audio friendly link, but I will post that link there. Jeffrey Corum, uh, November 13th, 2003. And I think it's style.org slash unladen swallow, but you'll find the link in the episode notes. Um, finally to the woman who rightly commented on my photo, reminding me that Americans are at the start of a special kind of hell that the Italians are all too familiar with right now. I would like to formally and without a hint of humor whatsoever, especially um, my typical gallows humor variety of humor, I would like to unequivocally say that you are absolutely right. I am genuinely sorry, and I appreciate your having given me an opportunity to self-reflect and to correct myself. And I just like to leave you, so in, you know, coming up with material for this ramble, I came across um, an article written on, um, funnily enough, um, March 9th, the day that I had originally gone to look for toilet paper and the day that this whole thing started to really kind of blow up, um, written on March 9th by Kathy Yang, um, she wrote a commentary called humor in the time of coronavirus. Um, you can read that and I will post that link. Also, that is a super not audio friendly link, but I will post that in the episode notes. Um, and I just want to leave you with a quote from her. 
Um, she says, my own Facebook activities leave a trail of memes, shit posts, and general irreverence. And she goes on to say, while I wholeheartedly believe in the healing power of jokes, even in dire times, and especially in dire times, humor and satire only goes so far without understanding and empathy. She's absolutely correct. Um, so while my bread and butter has always been gallows humor and self-deprecation, I will take that quote to heart going forward, um, into the uncertain times that appear to have fallen on all of us. We are all in this together and I in no way want to diminish someone else's suffering with my own irreverent social media posts. So, uh, I remain a wholehearted advocate of dark humor as a means of processing my own existential anxieties and of commenting on the oppressive concerns that matter to everyone at this moment and you know going forward um but i will as yang urges look around and see for a moment who can afford to laugh before cracking my next ill-advised joke so that my darlings is all she wrote for 